This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much again for joining us. I am glad that you are here with us on this journey as we discover how to create a just society right where we are. Today, we're going to talk about a topic, justice as warfare. Irony is so ironic, isn't it? Don't you love irony? Here is an irony for you. People who go to war against war. I mean, they protest war. They burn things down to the ground to protest war. They yell. They scream out hateful things to be against war. Well, that feels deeply ironic to me. And yet we have to realize that sometimes... The work of social justice is an act of war. That is an act of spiritual war. And today I'm going to explain this to you as we look at social justice as spiritual warfare. As we get into this topic, I want us to understand the war that we are in, because I think too many of us don't realize just how serious this is and uh, that this isn't just some like side hustle. The work of justice is not some side hustle you can do, but it is the work of eternity. And uh, so we have to get serious about it and understand what the dynamics that are in play. Since some point in the ancient past, when Lucifer decided to go to war against God, war has been a sad reality in creation. Since humans followed in Lucifer's footsteps in the Garden of Eden, war has been an ongoing thing on earth. However, there is a bigger, more dangerous, and more consequential war going on than World War II or World War I could have imagined, and that is the spiritual war that we are in. This spiritual war, as I was thinking about this particular podcast, this spiritual war goes on every day in the airwaves. By the way, I am engaging in an act of spiritual warfare with this podcast by exposing the enemy. See, when I expose the evil and the injustices that are out there, that's an act of warfare, spiritual warfare. Uh, The spiritual war goes on every day on the airwaves. It goes on in our schools. You can see that every day in the news. Uh, The the sexualization of children, the pushing of progressive agendas, the, uh, uh, the, the, the teachings and science that there is no creator, Um, you know, all these different ideologies that are pushed in our school systems and in our universities is acts of war against our children in hospitals with abortion and euthanasia 
is war against humanity. In the public arena, in our sports venues, and on the internet, there's just nothing but constant spiritual attacks on our divine nature as humans. Now, 1984 is real. Okay, it is real. Now, for the longest time, and I grew up in the 1980s, that was my teenage years, my formative years. Uh, I graduated from high school in 1990, so most of my growing up was in the 80s. And I thought for the longest time that 1984, when people would talk about it, that that was a really amazing album that Van Halen put out. Until one time when I was much, much older, around 40 years old, I was... Uh, perusing through YouTube and discovered a movie called 1984 by George Orwell and discovered there was a book called 1984 by George Orwell. And then as I watched this movie, I'm like, oh, well, there you go. I was like, that explains a lot of things. And sadly, today in the year 2023, I hate to say it, but I think 1994, George Orwell's uh, story is coming true. Of course, George Orwell wrote that out of his own experience in Europe when those things really happened. But in 1984, you the book and the movie, you've got this idea that the government has taken over and the government has taken control of the media. And then they come up with the thought police and the two minutes of hate at the theaters against people who oppose the state and the media and the thought police are controlling everything everybody knows. And so with that, the government is able to say, Hey, look how amazing, you know, these on the radio, these, the, these, uh, stories, news items would come up saying, Hey, you know, look how great the government is. We've just taken over North Africa because they opposed us, but we take it over and you, you always got big brother there. Big brother who's taking care of you. And all they did, nothing was actually happening in real life that was happening in the news stories. But they were able, through the news, to control everybody's thinking and outlook. And so manipulate and control the population. And unfortunately, that's happening now. As humans, we were made for freedom. That's why we long for it. That's why so many people come to America from other countries, because as humans, we naturally are geared and made for freedom. And therefore, communism and socialism is a huge natural turnoff. We don't have to be told it's bad. We just instinctively oppose any government control. Unless the government is able to control us and manipulate us by controlling the information that comes to us and thus skewing our outlook on everything. But 1984 is real. There is a, a war against humanity by government officials. There is a war against humanity by the media, by the woke crowd, by the progressives, and by teachers unions are at war with our children. George Soros and others are at war with us, the general population. They're at war against our freedoms. You see, the war is real, and the war has one goal, the spiritual war, and that one goal is the destruction of God's image, therefore the destruction of humans. 
Now, do you realize that you are made in God's image? Do you realize that your neighbor is made in God's image? I mean, the divine image. You bear the resemblance of God. Your neighbor bears the resemblance of God. I'm not saying God's some giant human in the sky. What I am saying is that we as humans are stamped with the divine image. And it's not just a, a surface thing. It is deeply down into the center of our soul. We bear the divine image and our ability to love, our ability to create, our ability to think and rationalize, our ability to do good, our ability to relate to each other. We are very deeply ingrained with the divine image and Satan would want nothing more than to destroy that image and force you into total control. Now this spiritual war has eternal fallout as its consequences. You know, we talk about the consequences of war, this war between Russia and Ukraine, the wars in Africa, the wars uh, around the world. South America, the wars, World War One and II. We talk about those consequences and the deep consequences, but the fact is the spiritual war has eternal consequences, and that's why we have to take it serious. And since social justice is an act of warfare, uh, and I'll talk more why that is in a moment, but we have to realize this is so serious because there are eternal consequences at stake here. When you see people walking around the streets like zombies due to meth that's war you're seeing war happen in front of you when you see broken relationships your whether it's broken marriages broken friendships whatever it is broken relationships within the church you are looking at the fallout from warfare pornography hatred division drunkenness addictions greed election fraud, all of this is part of the spiritual war. You're seeing the fallout from that. Now, St. Paul reminds us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the spiritual realm. So, you know, I named George Soros a minute ago, but George Soros, uh, uh, Alexander Cortez, Alexandria Cortez, I should say, the squad, if you're into politics, you know who the squad is, Donald Trump, Republicans, Democrats, they're not the enemy. Their faces, maybe, but they're not the enemy. The enemy is Satan. Satan is the one who manipulates the media, who manipulates the internet, manipulates everything to destroy us. And so that is why we have to realize that the work of social justice isn't about getting a good feeling. It's not about solving some immediate problem. It is about going up, going to bat and standing up and defending people who are being destroyed by Satan himself. Because this war is spiritual. It requires spiritual solutions and spiritual weaponry to win. In this war, it is not neighborhoods and countries who are hanging in the balance. It is souls 
who are hanging in the balance. This war is intense. And if you do not engage, you have already lost. So let's look more in depth at uh, social justice as warfare. When you see an injustice, know that it is a bomb that has been dropped by Satan. When you see an injustice, consider an attack in the spiritual realm and see the casualties from the attack. You know, the prophet Jeremiah said, uh, Jeremiah, the prophet was talking about, God was talking through the prophet of Jeremiah to the people of Israel about the good king Josiah. Josiah, as a king, had brought a lot of reforms to, to a nation that had become very corrupted, very distant from God. And the good king Josiah brought a lot of reforms, and Jeremiah was talking about him. And one of the things he said is that Josiah, he defended the cause of the poor and needy. He defended the cause of the poor and needy. Throughout scripture, you read phrases like defend the poor and needy, defend the cause of the widow and orphan. Why? Defend the cause of the immigrant. Why? Because the scripture is speaking in terms of spiritual war. Defend, go to war in favor of the immigrants, defend them against the attacks that are coming against them. Defend the widow. Defend the orphans against the attacks that are coming from them. Defend the poor the, and the needy because they're under attack. The word defend is a warfare term. And when you stand for the cause of justice, you are engaging in warfare. Now, just look at the so-called just social justice warriors, which I don't have much respect for. Uh, but the social justice, I mean, I think maybe, maybe their heart's in the right place or just misguided, maybe. But these so-called social justice warriors, they look mean. And they're filled with anger and hate, and they do violence. Like Antifa, they're supposedly standing for justice, but they're doing all this violence. Why? Because they're at war. Look at Planned Parenthood. Why does Planned Parenthood fund so much money into lobbying efforts and why do they do what they do they're at war they are obviously at war politicians have war written all over their faces and in their speeches and i'm not saying all of them but a lot of them have war written on their faces and in their speeches and we have been called by god to go into the battlefield and fight but to fight in a different way so that leads us into our next point then. How do you fight the spiritual war of justice? By the way, before I get into this, social justice is not to be a trendy term or a trendy thing to do, and it's not to be trite. The scriptures speak very often of God being a God of justice. You see, when you're involved in social justice, you're not just getting on a bandwagon and joining some trendy thing. What you're doing is entering into the very heart of God, because God's all about defending the oppressed, all about justice. And when God sent the prophets to Israel time and time and time again in ancient Israel, it was saying, you are being unjust. You see, so it's very, very important that we understand 
uh, that this is total war <laughs> that we're in, and we don't really have a choice what to do here. So how do you fight the spiritual war of justice? You know, as I get into the points of how to do this, I think of three examples. Jesus, Gandhi, and St. Maximilian Kolbe. Jesus, <clears throat> he was obviously at war with Satan, opposing the corrupted spiritual leaders, opposing the Roman Empire. But he did it in such a different way. He did it through education, exposing, and through forgiveness. Now, at one point, when he went to the temple in Jerusalem, he did it through physically beating people, just so you know. Now, I am not recommending that you do that. Uh, for some reason, Jesus thought that necessary at the moment in his divine reasoning. But uh, again, I'm not suggesting you do that. But what I am saying, showing is that Jesus realized there is something very deep in the spiritual warfare, and he... he uh, uh, took on the responsibility of, of that uh, uh, fighting back, so to speak. Now, I know I'm using some tough terms like fighting back and so on, but that's what you're really doing. But there's a spiritual way to do that, and I'll explain that in a minute. You got Gandhi. Uh, Gandhi, you know, did not oppose the British control of India because for a physical reason, but he saw something very unjust on the spiritual level that was happening by the British domination of India. So he, he fights back a man of meditation and he, uh, uh, you know, believed in peaceful, uh, resistance. So again, British are using violence. He fights back with peaceful resistance. And then you got St. Maximilian Colby known as the Saint of Auschwitz, who, uh, uh, believed uh, very much, again, in that peaceful resistance. So he voluntarily takes a man's place when he was arrested and ends up in Auschwitz and dying in Auschwitz. But when he was at Auschwitz concentration camp during the Nazi reign in Germany, what does St. Maximilian Kolbe do? Well, he uh, performs mass because he was a priest. So he does mass. He hears confessions. He tends to the needs of the other prisoners. <laughs> In other words, he's like, okay, Satan, you can totally physically attack me and kill me here in Auschwitz, but what you can't do is stop me from being a faithful priest. So just the very act of, of tending to the spiritual needs of prisoners was an act of warfare on Maximilian, St. Maximilian Kolbe's part. And those are just some examples of, of spiritual warfare in action but it's not through violence. It's through a much different means. And what is that means? How do we fight for justice in this war against Satan? It is not a war against conservatives. It's not a war against liberals and a war against this person, that person. It is a war against Satan himself. When people are oppressed, you know that Satan has his fingerprints all over it. So, how do we do this? Well, the first thing is to heal those who are victims of attacks. That's what Jesus did. One of the first things he did when he came on the scene publicly is that he healed. He began to heal, as St. Mark says, Jesus began to heal. 
because people were victims and lying around wounded spiritually, and many of them by diseases, and they were victims. And so Jesus' first step was to heal those who needed healing. And it may be people who are victims of racism or victims of genocide, not themselves, but their families, victims of war, whatever it may be, they are traumatized and they need healing. Second is the second thing you can do in the spiritual war of justice is defend and speak up for the cause of the oppressed. Again, as Jeremiah, the prophet says that King Josiah defended the cause of the poor and needy throughout scriptures, defend the orphans and widows, defend the immigrants. So we defend, we speak up for the cause of the unborn. Obviously the unborn, those in the, still in the womb cannot speak for themselves. So we need to be their spokesperson. Defend the cause of the unborn. And what is their cause? It's the right to be born. Defend the cause of workers for fair wages and fair benefits and fair time off and fair treatment. Uh, defend those who are victims of racism and, and so on. There are many people who are victims of some kind of injustice. The third thing you can do is defend the rights of all. Defend the rights of all. Um, to defend someone does not mean to do a certain job for them. It doesn't mean that you do somebody live somebody else's life for them. What you're doing is you're defending them from the attacks, defending their rights, helping them get their rights back. But once they have those rights back, then you step back and let them live their life. You're not the savior. Okay. At no point, in scripture, does God command us to be saviors? He commands us to defend. And once we defend, and once a uh, certain person or population regains their rights as humans, then we step back and let them take control of their own lives. The next thing is expose, but do not personally attack those who create injustice. I'm really done with this whole idea of personal attacks. Uh, we were actually talking about this briefly in the studio before I was began report, recording today's podcast. What is the Latin term for when you're in a debate with somebody and instead of debating on the point, you begin attacking the other person. But we expose those who are creating injustice, but we don't personally attack them. Rather, we fight back with truth and with charity. We just simply speak the truth, exposing their lies, and we uh, exercise charity. You know, even Jesus, Jesus, when he was being brutally crucified on the cross, he did not want his enemies to die. He tells his disciple, Peter, put down your sword. When Peter starts physically attacking the the guards who arrested him. Uh, rather, Jesus wanted his enemies who were crucifying him, they, he wanted them to know what life is and to get out of this trap that they were in. You know, he wanted the religious leaders of Israel to get out of the trap they were stuck in and to stop oppressing people so they too could enjoy 
the life of God. That's why a lot of the Pharisees uh, end up becoming a follower of Jesus, Nicodemus. You got St. Paul, who was called himself the Pharisee of Pharisees. Well, he, uh, you know, God wants everyone to enjoy his goodness and his life. So do not personally attack people, rather fight back with truth and with charity. Number five, fifth thing you could do in the spiritual warfare of justice is use the weapons of love and forgiveness, prayer, the rosary, and truth. The weapon of love is very mighty and is able to overcome hate. The weapon of forgiveness is able to overcome attacks. Jesus is on the cross. He's brutally crucified. And while he's hanging on the cross waiting to die, he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. What he was doing was countering their attacks on him. Prayer, a powerful weapon. The rosary, there's been saints that have informed us that the rosary is the most powerful spiritual weapon we have against Satan. So get in the habit of picking up that weapon and using it. Truth, just speaking the truth. You don't, by the way, you don't need to defend the truth. You just don't need to. The def truth can defend itself. <laughs> You're not that important. Neither am I. <laughs> All you need to do is just speak it. If people want to say, you know, it's okay to end the life of the unborn, you don't need to say, well, it's murder. And here's all the reasons why it's murder. And here's all the reasons for this and that. I mean, if it's necessary and the person's willing to listen, it's okay. But sometimes just speaking the truth, say, well, it's murder. I remember when Mother Teresa won the Nobel Peace Prize. And here she is standing before these powerful leaders of nations. A short little woman serving the lepers in India. And Mother Teresa gets up before all these powerful world leaders to accept the Nobel Peace Prize. And she says, the poorest nations on earth are those who allow abortion because children are a gift from God. And she didn't defend it. She didn't say, and here's all the reasons why this is and all that. She didn't bother defending the truth. She just spoke the truth and then she left the stage. That's all you need to do. Speak the truth and then let the Holy Spirit take over and ingrain that truth into those you speak the truth to. Six. Sixth thing you can do in the spiritual warfare of justice is listen to the Holy Spirit's leading what to do in a given moment. Jesus told the disciples not to worry that he told them that you'll be arrested. You'll be brought before the courts and the judges. And he said, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy spirit will show you what to say in that moment. So in the work of social justice, listen to the Holy spirit's leading of what to do in a given moment. Never engage others on the level of hate, arguing and yelling. Go higher than that. Go higher than that. Show yourself a child of God. And then finally, empower the victims of injustice. Equip them with the tools they need to get back on track from being sidetracked with the injustice they're suffering. Empower them and make them the leaders. Well, how are you feeling now? You feeling positive? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling uplifted? Well, 
Laughter is good and sometimes friendship is good, but we must remember that we are engaged in a warfare 24-7 without a break. We don't get a coffee break from the spiritual warfare. We don't get a lunch break. It is on. Every billboard you pass has a worldly or spiritual message on it. The commercials have worldly or spiritual messages to them. The movies, the music you listen to, all has a message encouraging you to either do good or to do evil. Even when they're just selling a product, there is some message inserted into that selling of the product. Yes, enjoy God's good life, but take the battle seriously. When you see injustice, stand up and defend the oppressed. However, do so with the spiritual weapons that bring about salvation for everyone involved. Rise up and defend the oppressed, defend the poor, defend the needy, right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.